You're listening to a podcast made the Johnsonville way. Welcome back to another episode of Off the Clock Podcast Made the Johnsonville Way. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this episode is a little bit different. We will get into that in just a second. But first, Jeff and I were just having a combo, a bit of a conversation. We were. Yeah, we were. I know we were. I'm curious which conversation we're going to talk about. That's true. No, but ladies and gentlemen, I don't know. So I wear hats on the regular. I do too. I, There's never a day where I don't have one. That's very true. Now I do slick up my hair every once in a Joe's while. Joe's got a great set of hair. Me, I'm balding in all directions. When I'm, when I'm lazy, so I definitely wear a baseball hat. Sometimes it's a trucker hat. Currently today, I'm wearing a trucker hat. Jeff has noticed the the sweat um line i guess mm-hmm. you'd say yep. on the on the old trucker hat. It's almost is like a permanent stain and he's suggesting that i and that i wear it more so in work like outdoor or you know not here at work or or out in a boot correct in a situation where you might be sweating is that common like i don't know I, this is the first time i've heard it. for me i wear it as like a badge of honor like I did stuff in this. I hat. worked hard, and therefore I sweat. And the other thing too is it may, might be just because of the color gray. Like if you had a black or a different color, I maybe suppose, you wouldn't yeah. do it. But I just have never heard that before. Not that I take offense to it, no. but it's more no, of a I don't know what the. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm staring at your hat currently as well. Yeah, but there's no. No, there isn't. There's nothing yeah, on there. It's it's like you've never worn I it. I buy new black hats all the time. Oh, Another just one to, j- the moment there's a little sweat streak no, no, on there, no, no. you got to get rid of it. mix it up, you know. Oh, okay. This was a local uh, friend of mine owns a shop up in Door County. So I patroned his, patronized his, his patronized. establishment Okay, okay. And, and purchased a hat to support Very him. good. I thought that was cool. Very so, nice of you. Yeah. yeah. So. so anyways, I just don't know proper hat etiquette, I guess. I like to wear my hats. Like I, I like it where the brim They've got little like the like tears. little tears and now you can to, buy hats that have the now I know and it's just like jeans you can buy jeans with holes in them. Anyway, the, pro- the problem with the hat though is that it's supposed to be one color, and the top two thirds is that color, and then the rest is a different color, different shade of gray. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's not that drastic. <laughs> okay, according to Jeff, it is. It's drastic know, enough that it. you can recognize. Okay, we're gonna well, walk yeah, out of it here. Is. It's pretty drastic. It. Jeff, you get what I'm saying, though. No, I totally see it, but it, it's because for one, I'm looking for it, and two, it it is absolutely a little bit of a darker shade of gray. But again, I look at it as like, dude, I did things wearing and, this and hat. Again, for me, that gets this hat is made for out. wearing, and that's just what it'll do. One of these days, these hats, <laughs> this hat is gonna wear all over you. Anyways, uh, that's where you rotate the hat out. You have different hats. Oh, different I have shoes for different many things. hats. You have different hats for different events. Yeah. Turns into a work hat. That's all it is. <sighs> well, we're going to switch from hats to bowling, bowling, ladies and gentlemen. Bowling. As in the, the ball, like a large, question? heavy bowling ball and nine pins. Ten pins. <sighs> wow. <laughs> I need to re-listen to the old episode here. That's what you're going to do, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So what we've decided to do is we have many um episodes in the archive classics absolutely i mean this is this podcast has been around since 2017 ladies and gentlemen in this specific episode which we are going to re-release is from august 30th 2017 Mm -hmm. um it is with mike anthony one of the first ones we ever recorded period so you may notice some you know, um, technical. <laughs> yeah, technical I don't even know. Yeah. I, I was briefly listening back to it, and it seems fairly, I mean, it 
different qualities. It was a whole there. different board, different mics, yeah, a whole, a whole different, different crew. Everything. Yeah, we were youngins at the time. Um, I was bigger. childless at the time. <laughs> a oh. lot has changed. Oh. Um, but Mike's story has not, and uh, that story is that his dad Earl um, is basically the Michael Jordan of bowling. Yep. Um, you can look him up on YouTube um, and find many a tutorial or many competitions where he was um, he was dominating as mm-hmm. as a bowler. So uh, we we want to start to do this, uh, re-release some of the old classics and um, and uh, get those back out there for folks to listen to. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here on Off the Clock, uh, unlike other podcasts, we don't like hide them from you. They're all there. You can yep. go back and listen to them, uh, but we just want to kind of re-release them uh, so that they're at the top of the feed and, and so that you don't have to go digging for it. Yeah, uh, if you're a new listener, sometimes yeah. you don't go all the way to the bottom and download them all. So, um, And this was truly one of the very first where I was like, we have Johnson members here. Who have Johnson members who... Epic stories. Yeah, and like they're being the son of one of the greatest bowlers of all time was just mm-hmm. a really cool story to hear. Now, granted, that's not his story, but it was still a really cool oh, story. Well, he has parts in that story where, like, he remembers loading up in yeah. the old uh, station wagon, was it, yeah, or, or whatever? Across country, Traveling yeah. across the country. Yeah. The and, yeah. yeah. So so Earl Anthony is uh, Mike Anthony's dad and uh, the Michael Jordan of bowling, basically. So, uh, But before we head over there, we do have a question of the uh, audience. Of the day, yes. uh, don't worry about that hack conversation. That was just... <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know if there's legit hat etiquette, so I wanted to bring it up to the folks. But, um, Jeff, what is our, our Johnsonville question for the uh, fans All right, so there? this last weekend, we were recording this on the Tuesday after Memorial Day. Uh, I went up camping with some friends up in Door County and stopped at the um, marketplace on the way up and grabbed some new items. One of which I the Johnsonville Marketplace. Yes, sorry, okay. Johnsonville on Hi- Highway J here, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. Come on down, check it out. Over for all your it's basically epic. Needs. Yes, uh, and so I went and got the Cajun and Cheddar brats, and we we sampled them, and they were really very good, actually. Mm. Uh, it is uh, official name was Cajun Style and Cheddar. Uh, it was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, very. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a big spice fan. If it's just spicy for being spicy's sake. Sure, sure. So I want a good flavor, and I mm-hmm. thought it was really good. We also did try the firecracker uh, breakfast. breakfast. Yes. Yeah, I've heard good things of this. Um, I'm a big breakfast burrito guy. Ooh, so that went right up my alley. Throw a couple um, of those in a in a like a um, Mexican style bur- breakfast burrito. It really hit the spot there. Um, but th- that leads to the question of the week: Is what is your favorite special flavor of Johnsville brats? We are gonna leave out. Original and beer, because I, d- I think those are just so staple. Okay. Now, and everybody knows some could even say cheddar. Ch- okay, we'll leave out cheddar too. Mm. We'll leave out only the ones with the sp- the what is it like the um, special flavor or whatever. They have actually have like a label on there saying mm. it's like limited edition. So here's the deal, buddy. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna bend these rules on you here. I I just come up with a question because <laughs> my my favorite as of this current state is the tailgate. Which tailgate, is really beer cheddar. Interesting. That's literally what it is. I dude, when I had taste tests back in the day when I was on the taste panel, yep. I could not wait for the day that we had beer cheddar. It was the tailgate brat. But and that's what you could buy it as, folks, is the tailgate brat. It's beer cheddar. I oh, don't yeah, I don't cheddar. know, man. It is to me it's got all the flavors I want all wrapped up in now, one. Now speaking so. of 
taste, taste tests. tests. Yeah, I know Rots. exactly where you're going with this. Because I will concur on this if, one. If you're a Johnson member out there and you have any sort of leverage, <laughs> if you could, if you could do me a favor, or if you're a Canadian uh, Johnsonville fan, yes. First off, we love you. There is a flavor out there that is Canada only. Okay, Canada now we are close only. enough to Canada where I could, I I should just hop on over, drive up there it. and get it. But I work for Johnsonville. You think I'd be able to get it in my own home mm. county, state? Nope. Whatever. Nope. Canada and that, ladies only. And fo- ladies and folks. Wow. Folks and ladies <laughs> is the. Honey garlic brat. Honey garlic, so good, so good. I, I don't know what it is about it. it well, it's the honey and the garlic. W- yes, it's and the, the premium the cuts sweet. of pork. <laughs> it's delicious all around. We should <gasps> we should use this as marketing. Yeah. Um, but it, I would love to actually get a full five pack, ten pack if I could, and and actually sample it like more than just like a couple bites of it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why it's such a sweet. My sweet mouth is and watering. Thinking um, about this, but yeah, and if you're out there as a Johnsville member listening and you have not had this magical flavor, um, <laughs> reach out for when uh Barbara Walters puts out her taste tests, yeah, see if it's on there mm-hmm. and swarm it. Very good, yes, very good. I don't know why I'm just saying very good. It is, and the reason I'm, I'm making this pitch is that so good years ago, uh, we made a French toast flavored breakfast sausage, we did. And it was Canada only. And well, we still make that. Correct. Shows, and, but yeah. now it is. It is. Uh, oh, yeah. It was Ameri- Canada only. And correct. And it's moved now, and now to it is, America yep. also. It is domestically so, sold. So this is day one of petitioning <laughs> honey garlic to be made for America. It Bring honey so garlic good. to America. I'm mm-hmm. going to. If you're out there and you agree with me or if you've had it. Come and I'm, sign our petition. Yes, we're going to have a petition. It'll be up on Joe's desk. <laughs> Feel free to sign. Uh, but anyways. So looping back around to the official flavors that we can vote on, yeah. what out there is your favorite? Also, if you have any sort of crazy combo that you use where you're like, I love the tailgate brat, but then you have to do X, Y, Z to it or something mm. like that. It brings out the better yeah. flavor or whatever. Chili so. cheese is also like the ready-to-eat mm. chili cheese. Um, oh, yeah. Those so good. good. I, I That was the first time I realized, oh, I could just have the sausage without putting – like you just put it on a bun and you eat it. It literally tastes you like a chili. You don't need to put anything else on it. So we may have to add that to another, uh, okay. another question. This is just brought flavor, folks. Joe's jumping all ahead of us. All right, we've well, got we got to have questions for 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 eternity. That's right. Okay. We need to we need to swarm this. Okay, yeah, I, I, cut that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a tailgate <laughs> brat guy. We're gonna go fresh brat flavors. There we go. Okay, uh, okay. and excluding original and beer and cheddar, mm-hmm. we want to get this the the special flavors. So very good. Uh, and if you have a really fun story too, we'd love to hear about it. Um, just trying to create some more fan interaction get your thoughts and opinions and we if you got something we'd even love to have you on you could talk yeah about absolutely it for a minute or two mm-hmm. yeah no and, uh, it, again story. per usual if you have a, a epic or not so epic story if you just want people to know about you well first off jeff and i want to know about you mm-hmm. period yep. um but uh get a hold of us off the clock at johnsonville.com uh just like the answer to these questions we've we've been asking off the clock at johnsonville.com we would love to hear from you we'd love to sit you down in front of a microphone and just we just simply have a good time it's just a conversation we're just chatting there just happens to be a recording device in front of you. <laughs> just Don't be scared of it, ladies no. and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> everything is editable. Jeff and I are both pros at getting rid of the junk. <laughs> so you wouldn't believe how much extra stuff there is when we were edit. Uh, mm. we, and mostly from Jeff and I. It's, uh, yeah, it's the guests are always 
basically perfect. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's Jeff and I who need the help. So, uh, but yeah, please reach out off the clock at johnsonville.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Answers to these questions. If you have a question you want us to ask, oh, you would like our we opinion are on something. here for you. Um, but then also, if you want to be a guest or you know someone who should be a guest, get a hold of us. Um, but all that being said, without any further ado, we are going to have you listen back to the Mike Anthony episode where his dad, Earl, is the Michael Jordan of bowling. Or could you say that Michael Jordan is the Earl uh, Anderson of basketball? I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, you let us know what you think. Um, so many riveting questions. Oh, my gosh. But all that being said, we, we are going to let uh, Mike Anthony take over, uh, and we cannot wait to catch you on the next one. Hello and welcome to Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way. My co-host today is Jeff Verhelst. I'm Krista Brazo, and our guest is Mike Anthony. Thanks for joining us today, Mike. Thank you for having me. How, how are you today? I'm fantastic. Glad you made the really long trip to get here just for our podcast. So you're you're living in what state now? I live in Ohio, okay. in Mason, about 25 minutes north of Cincinnati. Okay, we feel very honored that you came. <laughs> did you drive all or fly? I didn't ask you that earlier. Did Actually, you, fly. Did you fly? You fly. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's good. Imagine if you had to drive every time you had to come to a meeting or something. That would be a good a way to get out of the like. Just get get out and go though. Yeah, like, I'm gonna take an extra couple days to go. Yeah, there's there. that small city called Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the si I'm sure it's that's in a the joy way. To just <laughs> <cut> <laughs> yeah, just so happened I got stuck there. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can drive four hours to Chicago and then four hours to get through Chicago. Yeah, that's true. You'd have to. All right. Well, uh, so why don't you start with telling us a little bit about your Johnsonville story? My Johnsonville story started about 11 and a half years ago, and I was working for Acosta Sales and Marketing, which is a broker in, in the Pacific Northwest. And I was working in the Seattle market. I was a single father at the time, raising my son Bryce. Uh, so I raised him for about 15 years by myself. Uh, and a position came open as a business manager in the Northwest. And Todd Pogorzelski reached out to me, and he was flying out to Portland to meet with Fred Myers. And I flew down and met with him, and 12 days later, I had a job with Johnsonville. Wow. That's, that's a pretty quick turnaround, considering <laughs> sometimes it takes forever to fill a spot around here. Well, it's an interesting story, because Todd um, uh, grew up here in Wisconsin and lived in Wisconsin his whole life. And the irony of it was Todd knew who my father was, and oh. my father actually passed away in 2001 in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Oh. Staying at a friend's house. So Todd thought it was a, uh, the irony of it all, I guess, was that he lived in New Berlin his whole life. And he said it was destiny that we had met and oh, sure. that I would end up at Johnsonville. Well, that's, that's crazy. Wow. That is, yeah. that's very serendipitous. And we'll, we'll actually get to a little bit later on how you got into the whole um, uh, food service or uh, grocery business a little bit later once we loop back around. So that'll be a little teaser for the folks out there. So. Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so have you held the same role then the whole time, uh, the last 11 years at Johnsonville? No, I started as a uh, business manager in the Pacific Northwest, yep. and I had the uh, uh, supermarket channels for the Northwest. 
and I also had Western Canada. Uh, so I was the first hybrid business manager for Johnsonville crossing country lines. Okay. And then uh, probably about six months into my career at Johnsonville, I took over Costco nationally also. Oh, wow. Okay. So the Costco business is called on at each region. So there's eight different regions that you go to to, to negotiate that business. Uh, and then about three years later, Todd came to me and asked me if I would move to the Midwest to be the central region coach. And that was a deal we had cut because my son was a, <laughs> I was a single parent. Uh, sure, so when I came to sure. Johnsonville, I said, I got to get my son through high school. He's a football oh. player. Yeah. And uh, once he got through high school, Todd came to me and said, would you move? And I said, yes. And uh, we shook hands and here I am. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, good. Anything else? Anything you're working on that you think is exciting that the folks would want to hear about? I think we have some really cool things in our innovation team right now from uh, the ABF sausage that we're working on. So the brats and the Italian and there's a a lot of really cool stuff out there. I'm sure it's much more complicated and that we can just talk about here, but I'm sure it's great for Johnsonville. So it's much more complicated than I understand. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of an exciting time at Johnsonville now, though, because we're coming up with all these. Now we're moving into chicken and things like that. So it's it's cool to talk to somebody who's kind of on the front end of. Some of the innovation yeah. that's happening. And I served on the Flame Grilled Chicken, um, no. what we call Flame Grilled Chicken 1.0. And, of course, we have now 2.0 coming. Okay. So there's a lot of really exciting things coming. Wow. And um, the saying goes, the first billion was sausage, and the next billion will be all the other things we innovate. <laughs> 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 Get to the first thing. All right, cool. All right, so let's move on then uh, to your um, off-the-clock story. <laughs> I was born in Tacoma, Washington in 1960, and I have a couple sisters and my dad and mom, and he was out of the Air Force and had been a minor league baseball pitcher when he was 19 years old in the Baltimore Orioles farm system. Oh, that's cool. And he wrecked his knee uh, in spring training, and at that time, there wasn't a lot of money in baseball, so he uh, came out of the Air Force and moved to Tacoma, Washington. And then uh, he went to work for West Coast Grocery, uh, which today is called Super Value Tacoma. So it still exists today. Uh, he worked in the warehouse as a receiving clerk. And uh, he took up bowling in a bowling league uh, in 1960. He was about the age of 21 uh, and became very proficient at that over a couple years. And being an athlete and kind of a perfectionist, he took that up and, and started bowling professionally in 1963 when I was about three years old. And then over the years, he just continued to develop as a regional uh, player. And when I was 10, uh, he came home one day and said that he was moved to the swing shift uh, and he was no longer going to see us as children because he was being moved to the swing shift. So he knew he was good enough to go out on the Pro Bowlers Tour at that point and he got some sponsors and he went on the Pro Bowlers Tour in 1970 and actually took second place in the very first tournament he entered. Wow. Wow. Um, So at that point, our lives changed because we were very poor as kids growing up, you know, used pickup, a used Chevy 2. Back in the days when you rode in the back of a pickup and nobody cared. (laughs) Um, The good old days. (laughs) And, uh, you know, boat shoes and T-shirts was your school attire. And and we didn't know we were poor. We grew up in an 800 square foot house and thought we were rich. And uh, we actually lived in that house all the way through my high school years. Uh, Even after we became very successful, we always were very frugal that way. That's awesome. So talk a little bit about the success your dad had then uh, with the bowling. So Uh, he he started in 1970, as I said, and uh, over the first couple years was very successful. And by 1974, he became the the PBA player of the year. Uh, This is back in the days when bowling was 
in its, uh, I guess, the, the best time of its age, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and it was on national TV every Saturday and typically led wide world of sports on a, on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, so, you know, bowling people back then were really the stars of, of the United States. It was on live TV, and the NBA was uh, typically delayed. Golf was typically a delayed broadcast, and, and bowling was broadcast live. Wow. Uh, yeah. So even back in those days, he was earning well in excess of $100,000, which in those days was a lot of money yeah. uh, to us. He became the first player to win a million dollars in 1981. And at some point down the road, he was voted the greatest player of all time by the PBA Tour. Yeah, now that's where this whole thing just blows my mind. Um, so I know you just say it so nonchalantly. I'm yeah. sure you've told this story <laughs> to a hundred times. I know I've heard this once when we were interviewing you before this. And um, now the, what I love the way you said it, he's the Babe Ruth of, of bowling, right? I mean, so his celebrity it was pretty big back then. You said that there, he was constantly on TV and all this stuff. So... Yeah. I kind of want to ask you the question, what was it like being his kid like around that time? Especially you said you were 10 when he first started. So, I mean, this was all through your middle school, you know, high school age. I mean, to be have your dad be like one of the largest, you know, sports celebrities in the U.S. I mean, that had to have been pretty cool or not? It, it's very cool. It's a crazy evolution, right? You go from being nobody, which I still am nobody <laughs> <laughs> to this day. Not to Johnsonville, Mike. Uh, not to Johnsonville. I'm just, you know, some guy's kid. Um, but, you know, in, in a period of three or four years, you go from walking down the street, you know, selling flowers on the corner to make your, your allowance money to uh, People Magazine coming to your junior high school in 1974 and putting your dad on the cover of a, a national yeah. publication. Yeah, so over the years, it evolved into um, going to Europe, and they actually had a tournament in Europe that was their national championship named after him called the Earl Anthony Golden Pin Cup. And oh, wow. Uh, 1988, he went to Seoul, Korea as an ambassador for the United States to establish bowling as an Olympic sport. That's just um, so cool. It didn't work out. It ended up being a test sport for that particular Olympics. Uh, but those types of things occurred. They had tournaments in Japan where they'd have uh, black belts walking down the street, clearing the path for them as they walked down the street. Oh, wow. Because they literally couldn't walk down the street. Without people mobbing them. Wow. Is, it's like the Beatles of bowling. I was just to say. <laughs> wow. And, but, and you loved every minute of it? or Oh, it's great because yeah. you you got to travel, you oh, know, yeah. starting in 1970 in the summer. We didn't have a normal summer. We would drive from tournament to tournament and spend four or five days in a city. And a tournament would take, you know, Wednesday to Saturday. And then you'd get up Sunday and drive to the next city. And we'd drive 12,000, 14,000 miles each summer between these tournaments. Uh, so as a kid, that was what we thought, you know, was normal. That was our normal. <laughs> Lo and behold, <laughs> not, not every kid's summer. That's awesome. You know, I imagine that growing up in that situation in that era would be so much easier and more innocent than if it were a kid now who has a famous parent. If you have a famous parent now, you can't escape yeah. the Internet. You can't yeah, escape. Yeah, social media and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah. I imagine it would be much more desirable to do it in the, the time period that you did it. Yeah, yeah I, I would pass on that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I would have no interest in, in yeah. having be on microphones and Twitter and <laughs> yeah. Instagram and Facebook yep. uh, yeah. in your face 24-7. Yeah. I mean, it was a very simple life back then because you stayed in motels and you got up and you went to the tournament. And the, whatever was reported on national TV or in the press was what was was spoken about mm -hmm. you know you didn't have that 24 7 on off switch mm -hmm. yeah yeah um so w let's talk about a little bit then your bowling story um like where it kind of started with you 
So my bowling story started as a, a junior bowler in the early 70s and progressed to be a, a decent regional local player, mm-hmm. but never developed the skill set my dad had <laughs> and recognized that I didn't need to be the best sausage or food salesman or beer salesman in the world to be successful oh, yeah. at what I do. Uh, so I knew early on and by the age of 21 or 22 that I wasn't going to be a professional bowler. Mm-hmm. And by then, in the early 80s, bowling was starting to slip as far as um, prize money and, and the opportunity. So I recognized it wasn't a place I was going to go. Perfect, perfect. Do you still do it for fun? I do. I okay. still bowl. I've bowled um, 34 national championships. Um, I still wow. bowl locally in tournaments. I don't bowl league. Uh, but I still do decent. You know, I won the uh, Cincinnati Senior Masters Tournament three years ago and placed fourth two years ago and fourth last year. So wow. I can it's still compete. To sneeze at. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Way better than all of us, probably. Yeah. That's awesome. So then, and you said somebody in your family owns like a bowling alley. Is that right? Or? Well, back in 1980, I moved from Tacoma, Washington to Dublin, California. And that was back when my father was still on the Pro Bowlers Tour. He retired in 1984. Uh, so he called me up when I was 19 years old and asked me to move from Tacoma to California because he had purchased a 40-lane bowling center in Dublin. Oh, okay. So I ran that for four years. I also uh, negotiated the purchase of another bowling center in Danville, California, a 24-lane bowling center uh, that we sold in 1998. Uh, but the Dublin, California center to this day exists, and it still has my father's name, and so cool. my stepmother, uh, stepmother Susie, owns that. So how, how often do you make it over there and, and bowl in the old lanes a couple times? Mm, not too often. It's a long trip. I'd rather go to Napa. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going all the way to priorities California. Are priorities. Yeah, I, might, I might swing by and say hi, but you know I'm probably going to spend a couple of days in the vineyards. That's awesome. That's and cool. how old is your son now? My son is uh, 27, And Bryce. does he bowl? He, he does not. He does not think bowling is a sport. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like everybody else in he, his age Yeah, uh, he played high school football and played very well and almost played college football, but he thinks that it's not a sport unless you can hit somebody. <laughs> That's the, not a lot of sports. <laughs> like so bowling is probably not ever going to be something important. Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. That's uh, that's awesome. So, Mike, you mentioned uh, when we talked earlier about like a patent you had created or something while while your dad was on tour. So we, we became aware in 1980 of a uh, patent that was a plastic injection mold that, that was a bowling wrist support that was spring-loaded. And that, this was at a time when starting to crank the ball as a pro bowler was something that was very important, was to create revolutions on the ball. So we actually patented this uh, liquid injection mold and produced a bowling wrist support that was spring-loaded. So as you swung the ball back, it would spring your hand forward and actually create extra revolutions on the bowling ball. That's the cool. funny thing was that wrist support ended up being used by the Oakland A's in their spring training as a baseball device because one of the friends we had from Tacoma, Washington, was West Stock, the Oakland A's pitching coach. And oh, I played okay. baseball against his son uh, in high school. And through connections, we became aware that he was interested in it, and they used it as a reverse technology to actually fight the pitch and swing through the ball. That's cool. So is it still being used at all that you know of today, or is it? No, you could YouTube it and, and see from like 1981 to 1983, it was used by a vast majority of the pro bowlers on on telecasts. Okay. Uh, but then in about 1983, we just weren't making enough money and, and just walked away from it. Sure, sure. Do you still I, own one? I do not. Prototype. Is in a bowling uh, museum <laughs> somewhere? Fame, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thirty-five years later, I have friends that ask me for them still. Oh, really? Wow, that's yeah. so cool. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, when we had um, talked to you last time, Mark kept pulling up YouTube videos of all your dad and trying to find you. And there is so much out there. I mean, it's it's crazy, like all these fans and everything, and they're having these great conversations. And how many times um, we were all impressed with they had met your dad and they said about he was like the greatest guy ever. And like, I just thought that was really cool how like people from all walks of life all over the world were writing this stuff on the internet. And I, yeah, it was I, just great. I think that's one of the things I'm most proud about. My father is that he never became starstruck with what he did. You know, he was just a normal person and happened to be very good at something. That's um, awesome. So even in that celebrity times, he was uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he adjusted and acknowledged it and became uh, reasonably comfortable with it, but it was never who he was. Sure. It didn't let him define him. That's awesome. No, it just um, it's just crazy. I I had no idea until we talked the other day, and then it just blew up and blew up. And so those of you listening out there, just Google Earl Anthony, uh, and there's just so much out there. You'll you'll be impressed and, and yeah. amazed. So. And if you're under forty, you've never heard of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said, so Google the man <laughs> and educate yourself. I do remember when I'm I'm forty, and I do remember when bowling was like the thing on TV on Saturdays. I was pretty young when it was happening, but I do remember it was on TV. It oh. was like a big deal, and now you kind of have to. I'm sure there's some ESPN station that specializes it on a certain yeah, day ESPN, or whatever. The Ocho. The Ocho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's That's like awesome. channel 482. <laughs> you can't find it unless you're lucky. Yeah, there's just so many choices today. Yeah, that's awesome. So I did want to loop back around. I mentioned it earlier to um, how you got involved in the grocery business and kind of how it looped back in to your dad too. So when I left the bowling business in 1984, I moved back to Tacoma, Washington. I got a job running a 7-Eleven. And ended up being a franchisee uh, trainer for them and for the state of Washington. Then I was hired away into the beer business, and I ran a Budweiser distributorship for seven years in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, And then at a moment in time when my son was about five, I realized I didn't want to sell (laughs) beer my whole life. Switched Uh, to wine then, right? (laughs) Switched to wine. It's Uh, more refined. I wish I had done that. (laughs) That was a wine road I missed. (laughs) So uh, I went to work for um, West Coast Grocery back in 1995. And when I went to work for them in category management, uh, that's the same place, ironically, that my father worked in the warehouse back Mm. and left in 1969. So when I went through the hiring process and on the plant tour the first day where they walk you around and show you around, and I was out in the warehouse, there were people that had actually worked with my father decades before that walked up and said, hey, I heard you're Mike Anthony, you know, your dad Earl Anthony worked in the warehouse with us, and here you are today working. It was pretty ironic. That's really cool how it all circle, you know, loops back around. That is really cool. So then then you worked for there for a little bit, and then you made it over here. Yeah, I worked there for a couple years and got an opportunity to go to work for Acosta Sales and Marketing, which is a, a national food brokerage. Ended up running their business for the Western U.S. for Heinz uh, and worked there for seven years. And then that moment where Todd Pogorzelski found me and, oh. and John McHugh, the region coach in the West, and uh, came out and interviewed me, and, and the opportunity was there. And I knew of Johnsonville because Acosta was the broker for Johnsonville in the Northwest. Okay. Uh, so I knew the company and, and the values of the company and wanted to come to be a member. So I know we talked a little bit. You, you love golf and you love wine, right? Anything love else? Golf. 
You I love sports where they chase you with beer and wine. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you need another drink. <laughs> Something where you can do a little bit of both, right? I mean, think of it. You got pinball, you got darts, you got golf, you got bowling. In every one of those sports, there's people that want to sell you a beer or a glass of wine. That's right. a great sport. That, you know, you and it's your son have very different views. Of, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> very different views on, on the idea. That's but yeah, awesome. I, I do love golf and play a lot of golf. And, and fortunately, my wife tolerates that on the oh, weekends. And fair enough, uh, so... It's it's a great sport to play. So where's your favorite where's your favorite course then, or what's sentimentally, or just one of the best experiences or anything like that you want to mention? Uh, probably the two courses I've had holes and ones oh, on. There you <laughs> go. Nice. Two wow. Yeah. So. Those are some pretty good bragging rights. <laughs> I can't um, even hit the ball after one swing. Let's <laughs> just get into a small hole. Crazy, crazy. On one yeah. shot. Yeah. <laughs> um. Have you had a chance to golf like uh, Black Wolf Run or Whispering Whistling? I, I Straits have once or? on several of those courses, and they're spectacular. Yeah. yeah, you get up here in the summertime this time of year, and it's it's a real treat. Do you have a lot of golf uh, down by you then? I do. There's a, a Jack Nicholas course called the oh. Grizzly that's about a mile from my home. Oh, um, walking distance. Convenience. <laughs> <laughs> Stumbling <Yeah>. distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a very nice course. It's not that expensive to play, um, so oh. we play there quite a bit. That's awesome. Do you do a league then? No, no. no. Leagues are typically on weeknights, and I travel quite a bit for work around the central United States. So typically Saturday mornings, I'll get out and play early. So before we wrap up, do you have anything you want to talk about back, you know, bringing it back to Johnsonville? Is there anything you're working on or you're part of that you're really proud of? I I think the thing I'm most proud of at Johnsonville is the fact that we uh, value our members so greatly. Uh, In sales, you know, we have 100% promotion rate from within. We've always wow. gone out and filled our positions, whether they're national accounts or area coaches or region coaches. Uh, in the last three or four years, I've had the opportunity to hire four very valuable members within the central region uh, that I think all have incredible potential within the organization. And that's what we do best at Johnsonville is we use a company to develop our people. Uh, and I see that within our team. And I see the people being given the opportunities to learn, stretch, and grow. Uh, and that's something I'm very proud of within our team. That's awesome, and I'm sure they appreciate having a coach like you who's pushing them and letting them develop. Um, to be I'm the definitely best they pushing can. them. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, I think it's nice to see as people we're all we're all in one facility, we're all on campus. We don't see how the the remote folks get to still connect with the the Johnsonville way and the the core values. So it's yeah. it's fun to see that you guys are still incorporating that, even though you're not here on campus with us going to the classes and seeing the posters everywhere right there, obviously. <laughs> I mean, the, it's everywhere. So we do kind of wonder, or at least I do, are, is everyone else getting the opportunity to, to be exposed to those things? So it's nice to hear. And it's more challenging because we're sure. remote and you yeah. can't walk down the hallway and you can't say, hey, you know, I was talking to so-and-so about something and thought you should know this. So mm-hmm. we spend an incredible amount of time on the Johnsonville Way and Hicks and the values of the company. Uh, you bring new members in and it's it's – for the first couple of months, it's almost like they don't believe it. It's too, <laughs> it's too good yeah. to be true. That it kind of is. Time. Yeah. yeah. And they'll Even walk here. up to you and go, I'm, I'm just not sure. And I'll tell them it might take you six to 18 months to really get this because you aren't in a facility. You aren't living this every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're going to at some point, the light bulb's going to go on and you're going to realize that this is something you're going to protect with, with your life, mm-hmm. the values of this company. Yeah. yeah. That's, well, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. That's really great to hear. Well, at the, at the end of the show, we like to give our guests the opportunity to sign us off. So if you if you wouldn't mind there. So this is Mike Anthony, and you've been listening to Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnson Way. 